You're listening to Creed and Deed, a podcast discussing biblical truth and its application to everyday life. Welcome back to the Creed and D. We are back and we're at it live on your neighborhood podcast. You can reach us on the Spotify, iTunes, wherever podcasting is available. It's Tim Hare and Rob Lindley on the great Creed and D. Tim is our Creed. I am the Deed. And here we go. Let's do this, Tim. It's it's Genesis chapter 40. We're almost through with Genesis, then we can move to the book of Revelation. That may take a little work to do, but it is the bookend of the greatest book ever in the history of the world. Tim, how you doing today? I'm, I'm doing good. Doing good. Just uh, up here in Kansas City, starting PhD, so uh, got a lot going on in life, but excited to get back into a little podcast today. Yeah, we better get back into a lot of podcasts, and we got a lot of updates to uh, give out, and we're, we're going to be producing a lot of podcasts in the upcoming weeks, getting into Revelation quickly. So, Tim, uh, summarize for us in the last couple minutes here, Genesis 1 through 39. <laughs> Genesis 1. Uh, okay. Um, well, we're hopefully people have been able to see that there is a a storyline to the scriptures. So uh, lots of uh, familiar stories that we've walked through, but one of the keys is just tracing these themes. And um, again, this is, this is flowing out of uh, Genesis three and God's promise that a seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent. And so uh, these stories, a lot of these stories kind of play out that theme of, of seed of the woman, a seed of promise, um, of, of blessing is going to come forth. And there are uh, various serpents that are trying to thwart the work of God's promised um, seed. And so uh, we've moved through um, all of these major characters. You know, uh, Abraham is where you could say that um, the, the, you know, God's covenant with Abraham and his promise for him to be a, a mighty nation and a people and, and, and reach, uh, the hinge uh, of Genesis, it is, Abraham, yeah, arguably, arguably the hinge. Uh, but then what you see is that this, this family that God has chosen is an absolute wreck. And so they're not necessarily all characters that you want to emulate your life after in everything that they do. Um, but there is, uh, elements where they they have faith and where God works in their life and and does things in them to to grow in their faith and so we we've come now uh, to uh, the character of Joseph um, once again Joseph and his brothers they're a wreck uh, Joseph has been uh, betrayed by his brothers he's been beaten he's been sold into slavery um, he's he's sold into Egypt into the house of Potiphar. Uh, when he's there, God is with him. God is, uh, blessing him even, uh, as he, 
has gone down into Egypt um, and he rises in the house of Potiphar and has complete uh, charge over just, just about everything in his house. Uh, and we learn that Potiphar's wife begins to fancy uh, Joseph and makes some moves on him. Uh, and not he good. Refuses. Not, not good. good. Uh, he's he's tempted, and 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 there's a lot of and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of draw some of these connections uh, later on in in this podcast. But but we see a lot of ways Joseph being a new Adam, and he has a temptation where uh, he 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 can choose to give in, and and he's in Egypt. Who's gonna know? But he doesn't. He says, you know, who, this who who could do this? He has an incredible statement. Uh, to Potiphar's wife of just, um, it, it, it must not be done. Um, and so uh, Potiphar's wife decides that uh, she doesn't like that. And so she tells her husband that Joseph came upon her and then Potiphar puts him in prison. And, and this really verses 20 through 23 of chapter 39 is kind of the low point in Joseph's life uh, from the, the beginning of, of, of when we're introduced to Joseph, he's kind of got a downward trajectory. So he's, he's thrown down into the pit. Then he's sold down into Egypt. He does elevate, but now he's, he goes down into this prison. And so let me just read those verses that kind of set up the context of where we'll pick up today. But it says in verse 20, chapter 39, and it says, And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. So that's that's kind of the low point, right? And then we have a glimmer of hope in verse 20, 21. It says, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. Um, so there, That's even right. in, in his deepest pit, in the lowest of low in Joseph's life, uh, the Lord's favor and blessing is with him because Joseph has <coughs> shown himself faithful. Uh, and that's kind of where where we left off. God is going to accomplish that which which he wills, Tim. God will accomplish his plan and his promise to crush the head of the serpent. And he will do that through his people. Joseph being one that is faithful to the Lord. Interesting. Chapter 40 begins with Joseph in prison. He's been falsely accused. He's been thrown into prison. He's been sold into slavery by his brothers. Uh, There's a lot of... uh, of connection here to to Christ as um, his own people have have turned their backs on him, sold him, if you will, given him up to death. Um, and now he is, you know, about to be raised, I guess, from the depths of the prison uh, to a seat of authority. Um, very much like Christ has been risen to a seat of authority. Let's read it together. How's that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, chapter 40, verse 1. Let's read the first kind of four verses here. It says, Sometime after this, 
the cupbearer of the king of Egypt and his baker committed an offense against their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker. And he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard appointed Joseph to be with him and he attended them. They continued for some time in custody. Now, just a couple remarks. Uh, we have these two characters, the cupbearer, um, the baker. Now, we're, we're not exactly told what we're told that they they commit offense that that word offense there can be is is transgression or sin they've done something or at least one of them has done something um in, in sinning against the king of egypt now i i've heard some people try to make the case and this may very well be that as the cup, chief cupbearer <coughs> the chief baker that they are the ones that are responsible for not just like making the food and preparing it, but they're also the ones that are protecting the king from anyone who might want to harm the king through poison or whatnot. Mm. And so mm. they, they, you know, they do tasting things. And so it's, it, it could very well be that, that they, one of them either slacked in their job or was possibly even trying to kill the king. And, and so there was some offense, there was something that was found in their their lack of responsibility, or even in their um, aggressive attempt to harm the king, the king discovers one of them is responsible. Maybe both of them, uh, and and so he throws these guys uh, in prison. Um, and there they are uh, with Joseph, and and they are now under kind of Joseph's charge. Right, because he has gained the trust of uh, the captain of the guard, and so so they're there uh, in prison. Before I read, do you have any other comments on these two guys? No, I think <clears throat> I think you covered it, man. The cupbearer and the baker. One's cup gonna heads heads gonna fall off, and the other one is gonna be restored. Yeah, so <laughs> we got so our so pets' just... heads falling off, Tim. All right, let's right. go. So, so then they, these guys, one night, this, the exact same night, they have a dream. And I, I'm not going to read it all because we know uh, or familiar with this. The cupbearer has a dream um, that they, after these dreams, they're, they're downcast, right? And so uh, Joseph comes in in the morning and he says, hey, like, what's going on? Why are you so sad today? Uh and, and they say in verse eight, we have had dreams and there's no one to interpret them. And Joseph says to them, do not interpretations belong to God. Please tell them to me. You know, one of the uh, real, you know, just kind of takeaways of, of Joseph's life when right. at any point where there's a something that's a challenge or a, uh, a difficulty or some sort of trial that's going on in the life of Joseph, uh, he is always pointing that God's in control that God has the, the power. I'm not going to offend God. Uh, he's going to do the same thing with Pharaoh. And that's, that's his first thing. It's like, hey, like God knows the interpretation. So, so let me hear this. And so the first goes is the first one that, that, that shares is the chief cupbearer. In verse nine, he says, he told his mm. dream to Joseph and said to him, in my dream, there was a vine before me. And on the vine, there were three branches. As soon as it budded, its blossoms shot forth and the clusters ripened into grapes. 
Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes and pressed them into Pharaoh's cup and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Then Joseph said to him, this is its interpretation. The three branches are three days. In three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your office, and you shall place Pharaoh's cup in his hand as formerly when you were his cupbearer. Only remember me when it is well with you, and please do me the kindness to mention me to Pharaoh's. And so get me out of this house, for I was indeed stolen out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also I have done nothing that they should put me into the pit. So, uh, yeah, so Joseph, you know, he gives, it's a, it's a good interpretation for the cupbearer. Uh, he's going to be restored. Um, he's, he's, he's pictured as this vine, uh, a, a really in some ways a fruit bearing tree who's going to bring blessing once again to Pharaoh, uh, and blessing is going to come forth out of his hand. Uh, and he's going to serve, um, the cup. And then, and in that Joseph's like, Hey, uh, when you're there in your position and you've been restored, remember me, I'm here unjustly. Uh, I've been sold here. Uh, I don't belong here. And so, so, so Joseph, he's trusting the Lord, but he also realizes like, Hey, this is an opportunity that the Lord has laid in my path, uh, where I can possibly, uh, get out of here. So any, any comments on the cup bear? Yeah. So the, it's inter- in- interesting that, uh, Joseph right here, his dream is important because, He begins the story in chapter 37 with the dream, right? And the dream was his, his, uh, his father and mother and, and his brothers all bowing down to him. So in, in essence, he is a dreamer, right? There comes the dreamer boy again. Uh, he's interpreting dreams. He even says, uh, is dreams not to God? Tell is, is our dreams not up to God? tell me your dream. You know what I'm saying? He, he's kind of a, a, a little bit cocky here in, in that, um, he, 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 he knows that he can interpret, um, the dream. Do not interpretations belong to God. Please tell them to me. All right. You know, don't they belong to God? Please tell them to me. Cause I, I'm, I'm basically God's interpreter right here with the dreams. Uh, no, but, but that's, it, it's an interesting dynamic and, and for certain, uh, he is aware that God has given him the gift of interpretation of dreams. He is yeah. aware. He is definitely aware of this. And I don't know if <clears throat> that was what the Lord placed upon him you know, for this time or whatnot, but he definitely interprets the dream uh, accurately. And... You know, if you're told this dream, hey, there's a there's a three branches and there's a vine, and um, you know, you you have some fruit and your 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 point, you might be able to get to that, but I think it would be pretty hard to get to. Hey, man, three days you're gonna be restored to Pharaoh's place and the cupbearer. So obviously, the Lord's working here through Joseph. Um, and in essence, Joseph's like, Hey man, this may be God's opportunity for me to get out of here. And it's interesting that he says, Hey, remember me. Um, I was falsely accused, uh, do this kindness to, to your brother here. But the, the dreamer, 
um, is is an interesting dynamic. I, I do dreams and visions uh, from the Lord to his people seems to be uh, happening in Genesis. Uh, this isn't the first time that it's happened. And and this 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 idea of of dreams and visions even carries through even into the minor prophets um, in in Joel, where your young men will dream dreams and have visions and uh, utter utter tongues and all, all of these things are happening. And then in the New Testament, you have Peter, who in the vision basically. Uh, from the Lord basically allows the gospel to go to the Gentiles. And as a result of the vision that God gives Peter, Cornelius and his family are saved who are Gentiles. And so God, God's orchestrating dreams and visions throughout his, his scriptures. Uh, even Isaiah is, is a dream, it's a vision. Um, you know, uh, John in Revelation, we're talking about dreams and visions. I mean, all of these things are happening. The Lord orchestrating dreams and visions. Tim, have you had any dreams and visions lately? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, not like this. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. And I mean, that's that is a big question. Is you know, do we need to do we need to open up Robin Tim's schools of 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 of, of, of dreams and interpretations, and you know, have people <laughs> you know pay and you know a whole whole new seminary that we can set up for help with this? No, I. You know what? What we do see is that in in major uh, points of the biblical narrative, where there is a crisis or a or something where God is doing something new, uh, there's there's miraculous things that 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 happen. There is uh, God works in um, in 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 ways that that I don't think we should say. Oh well, he's he's doing this throughout all this. I mean, there's a whole lot of people in the Bible. There's not a whole, whole lot. There's only a handful that have, have dreams. I think, I think the best, the best uh, parallel is actually is Daniel, right? Because Daniel and Joseph are in very similar situations. They find themselves in foreign lands under, you know, the mightiest uh, e- empires of their days. And, and, and there's a crisis <laughs> that that is, is is happening or is about to happen for the people of God where if God doesn't mm-hmm. do something incredible like like the 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 promise that God has 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 given his people that there are going to be a blessing to the nation like that's at risk and so then there seems to be key individuals that God is working through in an incredible way um and so so because we kind of have a you know we're not in this Christ has come uh the gospel is going forth does it mean that that there aren't people that have dreams and visions? Uh, no, I think clearly you and I both have you know lots of experience on the mission field and know where you know unbelievers who have dreams and and even hear the gospel through dreams and go to missionaries where they can get that interpreted um, or at least hear the gospel. That that does happen, but these these dreams are a little more unique, um, right? I feel like and and not something that we should be expecting God to be doing this. Um, today. Remember your word to your servant. You've given me hope. You've given me hope. My comfort in my suffering is this your promise. So, 
Yeah, uh, J.D. Greer tells a story about him on the mission field in, in uh, Indonesia and this person yeah. coming up to him from far away and just was like, hey, uh, I had this dream about a man who was calling me to follow him. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He was in white and there was a field and if I didn't follow him, I was going to die. Uh, can you help me interpret my dream? <laughs> And and I think he even might have said, "Hey, my his name was Jesus." Like, uh, and 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 he was like, "Hey, can you help me interpret my dream?" And uh, JD Greer goes, "Great, my spiritual gift is dream interpretation." No, he <laughs> he said that you know it was an easy gospel proclamation to this young this man who God had been stirring in his heart through dreams and visions, but. Um, and and he got to where like he shared the gospel and he he came to Christ and he was like you understand you're about to die, you know like you could die for being baptized as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and the guy responded and he was like yeah that's why I came to you I I I had prayed about it for three months before coming to you yeah. to know if uh, you know if I should take this step count the cost if you will so. Uh, God uses dreams and visions, man, and and especially even in in the Genesis narrative. But I I do think that it is um, under duress, in stressful situations, under persecution, uh, in times in which He wants His hand to act. And obviously, this is God's full plan coming all the way from the the beginning dream, which actually was the root cause of Joseph being thrown into slavery. Now the dream interpretation is that which elevates him from uh, the pit. And so, you know, that which God had planned at the beginning, that which was you know, harmful to Joseph in interpreting his own dream. God is now bringing forth and redeeming that, bringing that back into his life. Because, you know, if, if, if you're honest with yourself and you're Joseph's shoes, you would have been like, man, I'm not interpreting dreams. Even if you tell me the dream, I'm not even going to tell you the dream because something's bad's going to happen to me, right? From the dream. Because last time I interpreted the dream, last time I told you what it meant, I was thrown as a, as a slave, you know, I sold as a slave by my brothers. So here 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 is the dream interpretation. Now, the baker, he he sees what's happened with the cupbearer and he says to himself, if only I could have such a good uh good as the cupbearer to where I'm restored because it's good. I I want to hear my interpretation, right? So, so hold on there because you, you alluded to it, but this is one of those, uh, again, we've seen this pattern played out. So the chief baker saw that the interpretation art ESV says favorable. The Hebrew there is tove. So Ooh, the interpretation was good, was beautiful. So, so yeah. So he, so in other words, he sees this and he's like, Oh, I want that. And so I think we're meant to see the baker as one who's, Who's wanting to to uh, who's greedy, who is desiring something and thinks he can have it, and he's like, "Oh, it, well, it was good for him. I want that." Uh, and so I think that's a hint of, you know, maybe even of this guy's guilt 
this this mm. because 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 one of these mm. guys is going to be lifted up and this guy is going to be going to be hung and is going to be killed uh and yeah. and i would i would think that the, I, I i believe the narrative saying at the very least this guy's guilty um is the cupbearer right. guilty i don't know but this guy for sure is guilty in the way well, that he's, like- he's seen and, and he's acting <clears throat> It's kind of like uh, Simon in Acts who who thinks that he can manipulate the Spirit of God. That's kind of what I see here is with this guy. Is he, he kind of thinks, oh, well, if the Spirit is favorable towards uh, the cupbearer, maybe he can be favorable towards me. You know, Simon, and he wants the, 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 he, the placing the hands to give to the Spirit to others, and, uh, and the apostles aren't having that. But... Here's what happens. Let's read it. Yeah, you want to read it? Yeah, when the chief baker saw that the interpretation was favorable, he said to Joseph, I also had a dream. There were three cakes, baskets on my head, and in the uppermost basket, there was all sorts of food baked for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating it out of the basket on my head. And Joseph answered and said, this is the interpretation. The three baskets are three days, and three days Pharaoh will lift up your head from you and hang you on a tree and the birds will eat the flesh from you. Well, that's not a very good uh, interpretation there for this guy. He goes <laughs> Probably on Probably not what tree. he was hoping for. No. Yeah. And, and so, and, and, and I, I believe uh, <coughs> that that language that hang you on a tree, right? Uh, Deuteronomy talks about mm-hmm. cursed as anyone who's hung on a tree. So this guy is, is cursed. Um, he, what, what happens to him, I believe is, is, uh, is what's going to be just. So, so, you know, we have a, uh, we, we've alluded to him and his book several times, but James Hamilton's book, God's, God's glory and salvation through judgment. Like this is a picture of it, right? So you have salvation coming, uh, to the cupbearer who's lifted up at the same time you have judgment that's coming upon, uh, the baker as he is killed. And, uh, and, and, and in this, you have God receiving the glory for giving Joseph these interpretation of dreams that, that become true. Um, so in, in the cupbearer and the baker, we see the gospel. Yeah, Tim, this is I, I incredible. think so. <laughs> I think so. No, I was thinking the, about this incredible. When, when I was studying. So, yeah. And, and so what you have is you have Christ being a fulfillment of both of these guys. I think that's where, you know, um, Patrick Schreiner, who's one of the professors here at, at Midwestern, he, in one of his books, he talks about shadow stories, um, that, that the old Testament is filled with these shadow stories that are, that are pointing us to Christ and Christ is the ultimate, the reality or the fulfillment of these stories. And I think we get some, sh- these, these shadow stories here where Christ is going to be hung up on a tree. Uh, and he's going to be considered cursed by God. Uh, but the difference is that he's innocent. Uh, he's, he's like Joseph, right? Right. Um, right. But, but, but he's going just like the, just like the cupbearer because he, because of his innocence, death couldn't hold him. And so just like the cupbearer was brought out of the pit, um, which, which in three I, days, I, in, in three, three days, days uh, exactly. In three days. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So just like that, that Christ is going to be oh, raised. Man through his innocence and oh come and, on and Preach death it. will be defeated so we so yeah to, I, I think it's there our, we need to come out with our first creed and need book the cupbearer and the baker the three days 
the maker, you know? I mean, come on, man. Like like the three days, he's coming out in three days. Yeah. And and you got you got the you got the cup, you got the wine, you got the grapes. I mean, all of it is 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 I mean, all of these are, you know, all yeah, of you, these things. There's a lot are, of there's a lot of imagery pictures, here that, imagery. that the Bible picks up that that you know now now all are, are all those images point maybe I don't know, but vine? I do think there's some. How about I do the vine? Think there's some. Yeah, <laughs> right. We got right. the no, vine, the branch, the three days, the 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 grapes or the wine, the the judgment, yeah. the hanging on a tree. You got yeah. the. You know the elevation, the coming out, restore, restoration, the you know the judgment, the head. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. it's it. There, there seems to be a lot there, and uh, um, and so so yeah. These in in verse in verse twenty, um, we see that that Pharaoh does exactly what Joseph said he would do. He's got this birthday. He makes his feast. He lifts up the head of the cupbearer. Um, well, he lifts up both, but one, he lifts up to a position of authority, restores him to his place, and the other one, he hangs, the chief baker, he hangs. Um, and 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 so, so, you know, after 22, you're like, hey, like, okay, now's the time where the, uh, uh, the cupbearer can come and say, man, Pharaoh, let me tell you about this guy. He, he, he. You know, he helped us. He did this. He did this. But it says, and I think there's a kind of a play on the Hebrew words here. Uh, it says in verse 23, yet the chief cupbearer did not remember Joseph. That word uh, remember in Hebrew is zakar. It says, but he forgot him, which is uh, shakah. So he did not zakar him. He shakad him. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. and, he, and, he just, and he forgets him. And Joseph is, is left there. And, mm. and he's left there for a long time. We find out in the next in the next chapter. Two years, um, two years, two whole years that that he's just forgotten. So, uh, any other two years. Rob? You got any other thoughts on on chapter forty? Well, I, <clears throat> I think we've we've hit on the Christ and all of Scripture here. This this piece, but when you're reading this, you're not you're not meditating on it. You don't see it. You just right. read right over it. But when you yeah. meditate on it, when you listen to the Creed and Deed podcast on it, <laughs> you get to see the pictures of the gospel unfolding before your eyes. And again, the word of God is, is, is there's nothing that is um, unimportant to the, the biblical narrative of Christ coming. And so, you know, even in the, the Baker... In the cupbearer, we see all these pictures before us, even before we even know who Christ is. So beautiful, beautiful, beautiful coming out of uh, of that section of scripture. Turn away, I meditate on your ancient ways, and they comfort me. Oh, your Let's go on to 41, Tim.
Yeah, and, and let's, yeah, I'm going to, if it's all right, I'm going to summarize a lot of this because, again, it's a story that we're very familiar with. Um, you know, basically what, what just happened in a small scale on the prison is going to now happen on a uh, large kingdom scale for all of Egypt. And so um, Pharaoh, Pharaoh <coughs> dreams a dream. Uh, he, he dreams two dreams. The first dream is he has sees these uh, uh, attractive and and plump. They're they're uh, I believe actually let me look that up. I think they're good cows. I think it's Tove again there. Um, hold on. Yeah, I mean an attractive and plump cow. I mean I don't I don't really use the word attractive for. Uh, cows, but uh, the word of God seems to seems to think that that's the appropriate terminology here. An attractive cow. Now, yeah. if you're if you're a cow it's, farmer, possibly or rancher, you might possibly think a cow is attractive. I, I usually don't use that language uh, in Oklahoma City for me, but <laughs> you might be from Black Gum. I don't know, Tim. Is that yeah. is that some no of no? But. And it, no, sorry. I was I was looking in the Hebrew. It's not. It's actually a different word. It's not the word tov. It's it's uh, uh, by, But they were but, fed uh, by the yeah. reed grass. They were they were they were Angus fed beef. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. It made some good steaks. Uh, but yeah. So they were they were these these good cows. These attractive cows. Um, and they come up and and they're fed well. And then it says that uh, that then there's seven other cows and they're ugly and thin and they come out and they just um, they they eat up the 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 seven attractive ones and so then Pharaoh wakes and then uh, I think on the uh, uh, the next night he has another dream uh, and he and he has these uh, a dream of of these. Um, um, he fell asleep and dreamed a second time, and behold, seven ears of grain. And these are plump, and they're good. We're growing on one stalk. So you have, once again, just like the cows, you have these good ears of grain. They look great. And then there's these seven that are um, bad. Actually, and the, and the Hebrew word here, even for the the like the ugly cows, or it said ugly, it's it's the Hebrew word rach, which is which is evil. So, so you have, you have good, good cows and evil cows. You have good ears of, of, um, grain, good ears of, of grain and evil ears of grain. And his evil ears are, are just, the evil is eating up what is good. And so this bothers Pharaoh. Uh, and so he goes to, um, all of, all of his magicians to his wise men and says, Hey, this is what happened. What does it mean? What does it mean? Nobody is able to interpret it for him. And then a light bulb goes on in the cupbearer. Oh, yeah. Oops. <laughs> you know, that, that had to be like, you know, one of those, uh, you know, oh, yeah, I forgot to do that. Like two years later. Um, and, and so the cupbearer goes to Pharaoh and says, hey, when I was in prison, there's this Hebrew that was there and we had these dreams and he interpreted it and it came true. And so... Uh, verse 14, it says, then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph and they quickly brought him out of the pit. And when he had shaved himself and changed his clothes, he came in before Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've had a dream that one day this nation, I'm just kidding. I've had a dream that, and there is one who can interpret it. 
I have heard it said of you that when you hear a dream, you can interpret it. Now, this is, again, this is Joseph. This is, you know, uh, faithful Joseph. Joseph answered Pharaoh, it is not in me. God will give Pharaoh a favorable answer. Then Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, and he goes and just recounts the dreams that he had just had. The evil cow, or the good cow, the evil mm-hmm. cow, the good ears of grain, the evil ears of ears of grain. Um. So then Joseph said to, to Pharaoh, "This is verse twenty-five. The dreams of Pharaoh are one. God has revealed to Pharaoh what he is about to do. The seven good cows are seven years, and the seven good ears are seven years, and the dreams are one. The seven lean and ugly cows that came up." After them are seven years, and the seven empty ears blighted by the east wind are also seven years of famine. It is as I told Pharaoh, God has shown to Pharaoh what he is about to do. There will come seven years of great plenty throughout all the land of Egypt. But after them, there will rise seven years of famine, and all the plenty will be forgotten in the land of Egypt. The famine will consume the land, and the plenty will be unknown in the land by reason of the famine they will fo- that will follow, for it will be very severe." And the doubling of Pharaoh's dreams means that the thing is fixed by God and God will shortly bring it about. You can take it to the bank. Now he said, tells basically Pharaoh what he should do. Now, therefore, let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh proceed to appoint overseers over the land and take one-fifth of the produce of the land of Egypt during the seven plentiful years and let them gather all the food of these good years that are coming and store up grain under the authority of Pharaoh for food in the cities and let them keep it. The food shall be a reserve for the land against the seven years of famine that are to occur in the land of Egypt so that the land may not perish through the famine. So Joseph interprets the dream and then sets Pharaoh up for success in in dealing with the famine that's about to proceed. Um Rob, any any thoughts on the dream there or the interpretation? No, I think uh, Joseph <clears throat> Joseph interprets this dream, and obviously this is the Lord's plan, and this is his moment, and uh, God God has given him this gift to to provide for his people, so he actually uses. I think I think one thing to think about is <clears throat> Pharaoh is the serpent. Um, Egypt is the wicked serpent here who God's people are now going to be enslaved by in the future. But again, just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the desert as a picture of Christ for salvation, God will use this uh, Pharaoh for his own purposes. And so God is orchestrating God's glory and salvation through judgment all the way through the book. And so the cross of Christ actually, you know, God is using to defeat sin and death. And so even in this process, right, God is using this wicked person, Pharaoh, to provide for his people. He's using the suffering of Joseph to bring about his salvation for his own people. So the cross is is just is just magnified here 
above all else. So I think I think that's one thing I, that we can yeah, take away. But I, I think I think I don't know that we can because because so how do we know that someone is a seed of the serpent? Um, it's by their actions. It's by their response right. to the people of God. And mm-hmm. so the the future Pharaoh, the Pharaoh that forgets Joseph in Exodus, yes, no doubt, right. he's a serpent. Uh, this Pharaoh, we're, we're yet to see because uh, we need to see how he is going to respond uh, to the word that's being delivered him. And so I actually, what, you, what you're going to see carry out in, in the rest of Genesis is a picture of, of what mankind was supposed to do. Um, and so this is where I, I, you know, I can go ahead and bring it in, but, but you see a lot of connections between Joseph and Adam. And Joseph is, is doing and is able to do what Adam failed to do. And, and one of those things is Joseph is, is, is being a blessing to the nations. And so the nations right. that, that align themselves with God will receive the blessing of God. That's the, mm-hmm. whole, that's the whole intent of the Bible is, is God wants his people to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, and, to, and, and for those to respond uh, to his word, to uh, respond. You know, for us now, it's, 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 it's in respond to the gospel. Um, and so what you see in Pharaoh is actually an individual who is aligning himself with Joseph, thereby aligning himself with the God of Joseph. And here's right. what's really interesting. When you read the, the, the rest of um, Genesis 41, Pharaoh, uh, if, if you compare the stories, um, and, and uh, John Salheimer brought this out in his commentary on Genesis, one of his commentaries on Genesis, but brings out these parallels of, of, of Pharaoh is, is, is in a lot of ways replacing the work of, of God in Genesis 1. Um, he is he is basically appointing Joseph as his vice regent. He is he is making mm-hmm. basically Joseph in his own image, where 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 uh, Joseph is going to carry forth the um, dominion of Pharaoh, and he's going to have a, the authority of Pharaoh. He's going to clothe Joseph. He's going to put his uh, place his authority on him. He's also going to provide Joseph with a wife, um, which is really interesting. Uh, and so, so what you have is this replaying of, of the Genesis story, uh, where Joseph is, has, is, has been able to do what Adam failed to do. Joseph has, 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 um, not given in to the temptation. He's made the right Mm -hmm. decision. And because of that, uh, blessing is coming to Joseph, but it's also coming to those that have aligned themselves with Joseph. And so Egypt will be blessed. Egypt will will receive blessing, um, and uh, and so so yeah, you see the, these parallels of of Joseph and Adam, and and, and but then you're kind of the, the problem that you end with Je- with in Genesis, and we'll see this as we finish out the book, though, is that yes, this is a picture of of Eden where God's people are going to be given a land and they're going to have peace in the land, and it's a it's a land that's like a garden, um, but it's not the land that God has promised them. So there's still right. Genesis ends with a big cliffhanger because it's like, okay, uh, God's people are okay, but they're in this foreign land and they're not in the land of blessing that had been, been promised to them. And so we know that the story will will continue. What any other thoughts you have there, Rob? No, yeah, I think it. I think that's good. I think you know, 
in 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 somewhat of a turn of events, God will use a Gentile nation to bring about his people's deliverance. And so yeah. in in a in a sense the through the through the righteous faith or the righteous actions of the suffering servant, God's people will have life. And I think that's that's uh that's an incredible picture in in the life of Joseph is the suffering servant bringing about life to his own people and like you said will God's people prevail will the blessings of God uh continue or will it be the curses of God right like will it be that the the enemy wins no God will crush the head of a serpent and I think we see just a small picture of what's to come in Christ here through the life of Joseph that that is like you said earlier a shadow of of uh the crushing of the head of the serpent. Yeah. Yeah, one more kind of closing point I'd like I'd like to make and I I think it's there. I haven't uh I haven't found anyone else that, that has made this connection at least not yet, maybe someone has. Uh but when you read the end of Genesis 41, let me just read the last um five verses here. It says the seven years of plenty. This is uh, Genesis 41, 53. The seven years of plenty that occurred in the land of Egypt came to an end. And the seven years of famine began to come, as Joseph had said. There was famine in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt, there was bread. When all the land of Egypt was famished, the people cried to Pharaoh for bread. Pharaoh said to all the Egyptians, go to Joseph. When he, when, what he says to you, do. So when the famine had spread over all the land, Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold to the Egyptians, for the famine was severe in the land of Egypt. Moreover, all the earth came to Egypt to Joseph to buy grain because the famine was severe over all the earth. Um, and really those last two, it's, it should be land, all the land. But uh, so when I was reading that, I was like, man, you know, I was, I was meditating, thinking about it. And I thought, I feel like that language is awfully similar to some of the language that you find in the story of Noah, where God's judgment is coming upon the earth, upon the land, and it's it's severe, and all of the land is, is going to suffer it, except those who bind themselves with Noah and his family and choose to go into the ark to be saved. Uh, and so it's this act of faith for those that choose to go into the ark, and it's only Noah and his family but it, but it seems to be a, a similar type scene where you have uh, this this cataclysmic event that's coming and it's all the land, like seven times. It talks about like all the land, all the land, all the land. And Pharaoh says, go to Joseph. <laughs> if you want to, if you want to be saved, go to Joseph. And so I think you have this, this, uh, this moment here where uh, again, just pointing us back where, where Joseph's life in a lot of ways is a fulfillment or a, uh, a, a uh, what's the word I'm looking for? A re, retelling in certain ways of various stories that have already taken place throughout Genesis. And, and this cataclysmic event is happening. It's, it's spreading over all the land. But those who come to Joseph who have faith that in what Joseph is doing in this, in this Hebrew, this foreigner, 
um, who, who, who wouldn't be accepted under any other conditions, they're going to receive salvation uh, if they go to him and cling to, to what, what he has done, which is ultimately what God is providing. So um, he's also 30 there. years old. There's, he's also 30, 30 years old. That's right. That's right. Yeah. There's, there's that connection too. Yeah. At, at the end of Genesis, We'll make we'll make all the connections between Jesus and Joseph. Like, there's a lot. There's a whole lot. Right. So, there's a right. whole lot more to come. Uh, and uh, and so yeah, we can kind of draw all of those out. Maybe so. So let end. me ask you this: Thir- verse forty-five. You don't hear this uh, for Joseph's name often called this, but in verse forty-five, it calls him Zephanath Panea. So Zephanath. instead of Joseph. His uh, his Egyptian name is Zaphnath Panea. What what's the significance of that? Well, name? I, I think the significance may not necessarily be the name itself, but the fact that that Joseph is giving, or sorry, that Pharaoh is giving Joseph a name, just like God gave Adam a name. Yeah. He's he's giving him a, a a new name. He's giving him a family. He's giving him a wife. <laughs> he's giving him his authority. He's giving him, you know, he is basically the image of Pharaoh. Um, I think that's the idea that we're meant to to, to draw from um, from that from that's that passage. Good. So well, that's all I got. Rob, Rob, you got anything else? Well, uh, Zaphnath Panea actually means life or support of life. Isn't that interesting? Life. Yeah, which support which would make of life. Which totally makes sense because in 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 Pharaoh's mind, Joseph is the one who's who's gonna give life to Egypt. Without Joseph and him yeah. interpreting the dreams, Egypt's dead. They're done for. They would yeah. die. They would suffer. They would starve. The um, earth would die. It's right. A lot like Noah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> so uh, I I did think so, of one. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. But I was just gonna say I did. You know, if we're trying to you know, just draw out some application. Like we make some nice connections and, and see that in the text and that's great. But you know, what my day to day life, what is, what is the story of Joseph? You know, what, what can, how can I, how can we apply it? And I would just, Mm. um, you know, Joseph's life met with a whole lot of hardship uh, and stories that, you know, we, we know by heart and we've known, you know, we grew up hearing, and I think a lot of them, we, we, you know, we, we, uh, we take out the emotion of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet every time when Joseph, there, there's something about Joseph that he continues to, yes, he be faithful, but he continues to work hard. He continues to, um, where, where, the, the people that he, that he is enslaved to where they see him and they trust him and they, and they give him authority. Um, Mm. and so I would just say wherever God has you, maybe it's a, maybe it's a job you don't like. Uh, maybe it's, it's just life circumstance. Um, in that, I think there's a call from, from the example of Joseph, um, to, to just keep at it, to, to keep trusting the Lord uh, to remember that God is with you, that He has not forgotten you, um, that that He's He's working in your life a a a good and glorious purpose. Um, yeah. That there is a great purpose for what you're doing. It's not 
It's not meaningless. There is meaning in what you're doing, no matter if you think you have the most mundane job possible or, or whatever it is, you know, and, and for, for me and my family, things are not, you know, perfect. They're not the way that we would like right now. Uh, and so it's just a reminder to me of, okay, just continue to be faithful, continue to trust the Lord that he's, he's in this, but then also act, right? Like, like, right. yes, God is working in this, but you see Joseph, he is working and he is, there's something about his character, his ethics, his morals, where, where the outside world sees him, they embrace him, they like him, and, and um, he is blessed because of that. So that, that'd be yeah. one takeaway. One, another takeaway is, you know, in the area of suffering, we have to understand, and, and I think we see this in Job as well, that God's plan is not always our plan. And obviously, Joseph doesn't enjoy the suffering, but the suffering actually brings about um, good for others. What man intended for harm, God God has brought about as, uh, you know, salvation for his own people in this story. But in our story, you know, sometimes suffering, we, we go, oh, what pointless suffering it is. Well, if we believe in the, in the providence and the hand of God in our story, we have to understand that our suffering as well is not in vain. And God may be orchestrating something great through our suffering for his kingdom purposes, for his glory, and oftentimes for someone else. Uh, to either see or be touched by or um, hear about, you know, one of the the things uh, that's happened is in in our lifetime uh, in recent years has been the story of uh, Caleb Freeman and mm. his his new yeah. book that's come out, which is a a, a plug for that. But uh, but God and yeah. his story of of uh god's redemption through his through his his horrific accident and all that he had to go through but god has used that to touch countless lives for his glory and his kingdom so just knowing knowing stories like that knowing people like that um there's there's plenty of people out there that maybe don't have as visible or as vocal of a story as caleb freeman but are still um, wading through how how a good God can uh, use horrific instances to bring about something great. And in the story of Joseph, we see that. In the story of Christ, we see that. And mm-hmm. and sometimes we get to see that in our own stories. So yeah. take yeah, heart, yeah. my friends. It's the creed indeed, and we're back. We're back again, and we're we'll back. be back next week. So... That's Don't forget to mark it on your calendars. We will be back. So, yeah, if you've enjoyed the podcast, uh, then we encourage you, if you can, uh, give us a rating. Uh, leave us some feedback. If it's been encouraging to you, we appreciate you letting us know. One, that we can just hear from you and uh, just be encouraged by you. Uh, but also it allows other people to better hear about us. So we'd greatly appreciate that. But Yeah, just share the podcast. Click the like button. We'll we'll see you later. Grace and peace. Creed indeed. Signing off. Tim Hare and Rob Lindley. Have a great day. In the night, I will sing of your name, O God.
Thank you for listening to Creed Indeed. We are a podcast seeking to discuss biblical truth and its application to everyday life. If you are enjoying the conversations that Rob and I are having, then we'd like to encourage you to subscribe to our podcast and consider giving us a rating and some feedback as well as like our page on Facebook. That will allow us to better be able to interact with our listeners. Our theme music, entitled King of the Mountain, is by our dear friend Erskine Anavitarte. And our interlude and concluding music comes to you from a very talented husband and wife duo called Poor Bishop Hooper. All of their information can be found in the show notes below each episode. We want to close with this verse from Isaiah 40, verse 8. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Grace and peace.